This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. As we take this look back at the year 1984, it's safe to say that the 80s has fully established itself. Any of that carryover from the 1970s that still influenced the first few years of the decade has subsided, and we've gone into full 80s mode. 1984 is a significant year for many reasons. The first thing that we can't ignore is the George Orwell connection, which we'll get to in a second. For our purposes, we're going to focus on the big pop culture moments of 1984, and there are many. If you haven't heard the previous year in review shows, I've got 1980, 1981, 82, and 83 all done if you want to go back and check those out. But before we get into everything, let's look at some other notable moments from 1984. Even though we're focusing on pop culture-related things, we should still cover some of the other significant events that took place this year, including development begins on what would become the International Space Station, the first untethered spacewalk takes place, the TED conference is founded. I did not know it went back that far. Advance Australia Fair is proclaimed as Australia's national anthem. John DeLorean is acquitted of all charges related to cocaine trafficking. And if you don't know what that's all about, you're going to have to go back and listen to my episode all about the history of the DeLorean. Back in related to space, which it was a big year for, the Space Shuttle Discovery launches on its maiden voyage. Brian Mulroney wins a majority government here in Canada and is sworn in as Prime Minister. The UK and the People's Republic of China signed an initial agreement to return Hong Kong to China in 1997. Awareness begins of the starvation problems plaguing Ethiopia. And in 1984, the World's Fair takes place in Louisiana. So I mentioned about the 1984 George Orwell connection, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we can't use the word 1984 without addressing it. The classic book by George Orwell was published all the way back in 1949. It's about a dystopian future, but also serves as a cautionary tale. In the book 1984, we get terms like Big Brother and the idea of the thought police. This book gave rise to the idea of an Orwellian future, and again serves as a cautionary tale. It's always interesting how this book can be applied or interpreted in different eras, but the fact it was now 1984 was interesting to witness. Orwell began this book as far back as 1944, and some of the core ideas can be dated to 1941. Clearly, in 1984, we didn't have the issues he predicted. When coming out of the Second World War, it would make sense that he developed some of the themes. In 1984, there was, of course, political strife and issues regarding everything with the government, but that's always par for the course. When this book was published in 1949, people would no doubt think we'd be living on the moon and in flying cars by 1984. Turns out we were just watching Wham! videos and playing Pac-Man. So 
let's look at some notable movies from this year. And where do we even start? 1984 not only gave us some of the best movies of the decade, but of all time. Let's look at a few standouts. The more time goes by, the greater Ghostbusters seems to get. We've reached a peak new era of Ghostbustersness with the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife. This has paid a great tribute to the original, but taken the franchise in a new direction. Ghostbusters was a very unique movie when it came out in 1984. It was a supernatural comedy, which really hadn't been done before, or at least not this well. It had some great special effects for the time and featured some heavyweight comedy stars. It was like the best of Saturday Night Live in a feature-length movie. Ghostbusters is the movie that many cite when they talk about their favorite 80s movie, and it may be the crown jewel of 1984. The next is my personal choice for the best movie of 1984, Gremlins. Like Ghostbusters, it was such a unique premise and they really don't make movies like this anymore. It was a dark horror comedy, which is extremely hard to pull off. Again, like Ghostbusters, Gremlins is one of those defining movies of the 80s. We all love Gizmo and throwing Phoebe Cates into the mix didn't hurt either. This movie is... Perfect parts absurd and wacky comedy, but also very dark. There are also the obvious connections to it being a Christmas movie. And at its core, Gremlins really is about the dangers when commercialism runs amok during the holidays. And I've done a whole show about this if you want to go back and check it out. Either way, Gremlins remains an all-time 80s favorite and an important part of the movie landscape of 1984. Next, we have The Karate Kid. I'll be honest, it's not my favorite of all time, but it's a significant part of the 80s and 1984. I don't know anyone who hasn't seen this movie, and it was accessible by all ages when it came out. It's a classic tale, almost like a modern day telling of that classic hero's journey, you know, like the Luke Skywalker story as he struggles to develop his skills and ability. The Karate Kid is filled with classic lines and imagery, and like the previous two entries, it's a defining movie of the 80s. The last one we'll look at is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The follow-up to Raiders of the Lost Ark is significant for several reasons. First, it had the tough job of following up a juggernaut that was the first movie. It definitely doesn't live up to its predecessor, but it's still an important 1980s movie. What makes this one stand out is the excessive violence throughout it. This was due to the personal turmoil facing Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Both were going through some hardships in their life, and this was reflected in what you saw on screen. It was needlessly violent, and parents approached it as okay for their kids since it had a PG rating. When they saw all the on-screen gore, they freaked out. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is the movie responsible for the creation of the PG-13 rating. And if you want to learn that whole story, I've got an episode also in the archives about the creation of this rating, thanks to this movie. So here are some other big-time movies that came out in 1984. 
Footloose, Beverly Hills Cop, Police Academy, The Neverending Story, Dune, 16 Candles, Romancing the Stone, This is Spinal Tap, The Terminator, and Splash. So you see what I said about this being an epic year. 1984 was one of the best years for movies in history. Here's what the top 10 highest grossing movies look like. And of course, this is the money at the time. If you want to convert for inflation, you're looking at at least, you know, doubling to tripling the amount given. So number one, Ghostbusters with 220 million. Number two, Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom, 179 million. Gremlins, 150 million. The Karate Kid, 90 million. Police Academy, 81 million. Footloose, 80 million. At number seven, Beverly Hills Cop with 77 million. Number eight, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, is making 76 million. Number nine, Terms of Endearment, making 74 million. Also making 74 million. At number 10, Romancing the Stone. Nineteen eighty four offered a lot when it came to music. As far as the big hits and albums, it had a bit of a classic feel. Many established artists own the top of the charts. Movie soundtracks also dominated this year's top songs. There were also a lot of enormous hits that would go on to define the entire decade. Some of those hits that didn't even make it into the top ten that year include Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, Cindy Lauper. 99 Loof Balloons by Nina, The Reflex by Duran Duran, Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, which only made it to number 39, which is astounding, and I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis and the News. The top 10 songs from that year from the Billboard Top 100 were, number one, When Doves Cry by Prince. Number two was What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Number three was Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Number four was Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Number five, Against All Odds by Phil Collins. Number six, Jump by Van Halen. Number seven, Hello by Lionel Richie. Number eight, Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Number nine, Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Number 10, Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. When it came to best-selling albums, Thriller still was in the mix. Even though it came out in 1983, it spent another 15 weeks as the best-selling album. And I cannot, again, understate how huge this album was. But the album that dominated this year was Purple Rain by Prince. It spent an astonishing 22 weeks at number one. Between it and Thriller, there wasn't much left for everyone else. And 1984 only had five top-selling albums. This was the fewest number of best-selling albums in a year in music history. The remaining 15 weeks of the year were owned by the Footloose soundtrack that stayed number one for 10 weeks. Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen was number one for four weeks, and Sports by Huey Lewis and the News spent just one week at number one. Let's move into technology. 1984 is the year when an upstart computer company took the world by storm. It's hard to tell this tale in a few minutes, but... 1984 was a seismic shift in not just the computing world, but the world of advertising. During the Super Bowl that year, the cameras cut away from the action on the field and everyone's screens went dark. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information purification that we have created for the first time. 
history, a garden of pure ideology, where each worker may bloom, secure from the pests of a contradictory force. Our unification as a force is more powerful a weapon than any fleet or army on earth. We are one people, with one will, one resolve, one cause. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. When that ominous music started playing, no one had any idea what they were watching, but it seemed like a movie. The tone of the commercial captured that 1984 dystopian Orwellian future. This, of course, was the iconic 1984 Apple Macintosh commercial. This ad turned everything on its head. It perfectly used being in the year 1984, and it was ushering in a new age of electronics. Home computing was now getting personal and away from the corporate big brotherness that was associated with companies like IBM. Apple, led by young Steve Jobs, branded itself as a bunch of rebels. They were pirates and wanted to hijack the computing world. This commercial was the definition of water cooler talk. More people talked about it than the actual game. It turns out Ridley Scott directed it, and this explains the movie quality feel it had. This commercial sent a powerful message, not just to the technological industry, but to the world of advertising. Commercials could now be events. They could have movie-like production values. This also changed how the Super Bowl handled commercials, and the big game would now become the platform to launch big ads. So, you know, we can talk about this all day. There's podcasts devoted just to this subject. But I did an episode talking all about this historic commercial and the rise of Apple, if you want to go back in the archives and check that out. Besides the Mac, there were some other notable technological advancements that took place during 1984. Again, it was all about computers. Bill Gates was on the cover of Time magazine showing us something called a floppy disk. Apparently, this is what provided the software to the computers you were or were not using. The Dell computer launched, and an IBM PC cost a cool $3,000. But these fancy computers were still difficult to operate. It would still be another year until Windows launched, and these expensive boxes ran on the DOS system. One other notable advancement has to do with the early form of the internet. Prodigy, the first consumer online service, was launched in 1984. If you want to see what those very early days of the internet were like and how a platform like Prodigy worked, you should check out the series Halt and Catch Fire, which has been on Netflix and I'm not sure exactly where it might be today depending on where you live. Last but not least is a technological advancement that doesn't have to do with computers but changed the world in another way. DNA fingerprinting. 
Discovered by Professor Alex Jeffries, DNA fingerprinting revealed there are unique variations of DNA specific to each individual. Speaking of technology, let's look at some video games from 1984. And this is not a significant year for video games. If you spend any time around this podcast, you know all about the great video game crash of 1983. So a down year was not unexpected. It's not that people weren't still playing video games, but a lot of damage had been done. This was the year that also the Famicom was released in Japan. The family computer you would know better as the Nintendo Entertainment System, but it wasn't quite here yet. Because of the video game crash and the downfall of Atari, the Famicom would be the number one selling console of the year, even though it was only in Japan. Here are some of the notable games released in 1984. Boulder Dash, 1942, Cobra Command, Punch-Out, Jet Set Willy, and Karate Champ. There was one significant video game released in 1984, and that would be Tetris. Created in Russia, Tetris was an incredibly simple game and incredibly addicting. It only took the user a few moments to learn how to play, and anyone could be an expert immediately. This was a big part of the appeal. It's based on a physical game called Tetrominoes, and that goes back to the 1900s. It was popular with mathematicians, and an engineer named Alexei Pajitonov wondered if it could work on a computer. The obvious answer is yes, yes it would. The early version was an instant hit, and the software would be quickly bootlegged to other countries and cities. Getting Tetris to be produced by an American company led to a lot of red tape and a real foreign trade battle, and I've done a show all about that if you want to go back and check it out. Let's move to another form of home entertainment, and that was the primary form of home entertainment, the important TV shows in 1984. And... TV continues to rule the roost in the decade. Some very significant shows debuted this year, and it may be the best year of TV debuts for the entire decade. So the first one to look at has obviously become more problematic, and that is The Cosby Show. But from a TV standpoint, it's important to recognize what a juggernaut this show really was. It didn't take too long to catch on, and the show finished third in the ratings in its first year. This was remarkable for a new show, considering all the competition out there. These early numbers, though, would be nothing compared to how it would dominate TV ratings for most of the decade. The Cosby Show was unique because it took a different approach and featured a well-off African-American family compared to previous questionable portrayals that you would see on TV. But for a kid in the 80s, let's look at a show that became life-changing. What can we say? Transformers may be the pivotal cartoon show for every kid who grew up in the 80s. This was the definitive cartoon and I have to say probably shaped a lot of my personality. Transformers debuted as a four-part miniseries that really wasn't much more than an extended commercial for the new toy line. The show had some creativity to it though. There are connections with Marvel and featured some great mythology. 
And with most of these topics, I've done an entire show all about the history of Transformers, if you want to go back and check that out. The next show wasn't necessarily for kids, but became an important part of our lives, and that is Jeopardy. It almost feels like there was never a time when Jeopardy wasn't on TV. When I was a kid, it was required viewing in the same way the news might be. Jeopardy debuted in 1984 and continues to this day. What made it stand apart from regular game shows was the educational factor. This wasn't a brainless show like Let's Make a Deal or The Price is Right where any schlub could win. This took specific skill and knowledge. It also featured the great Alex Trebek and quickly became a television institution. Fun fact, the iconic theme song is actually called Thinking Music. So that's just a few of the standouts. Let's look at some of the other notable shows that debuted in 1984. Miami Vice, Charles in Charge, Punky Brewster, The Muppet Babies, Voltron, Highway to Heaven, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the boss? You see what a big year 1984 was. And here's a look at the highest rated shows from 1984. As usual, during this point in the decade, dramas dominated the top shows. Number one was Dynasty with a 25.0 rating. And remember, these are astronomical ratings. Uh, You wouldn't even see these things today, but they were pretty standard back then. Number two, Dallas, 24.7 rating share. Number three, we mentioned The Cosby Show, 24.2. Number four, 60 Minutes, 22.2. Number five, Family Ties, 22.1 rating share. Number six, The A-Team, 21.9. Number seven, Simon and Simon, also 21.9. At eight, Murder, She Wrote, with a 20 rating share. Number nine, Knott's Landing, with another 20. And at number 10, a tie between Falcon Crest and Crazy Like a Fox, with a 19.9 rating. Let's transition to the sporting world. When we look back at 1984, it's all about one event, the Summer Olympics held in Los Angeles. This may be one of the most significant games in Olympic history. To start, this is a game that the Soviet Union boycotted, and I'm sure you're instantly picturing the Krusty Burger campaign from that Simpsons episode. There are some truly standout athletes from these summer games. Carl Lewis won four gold medals at these games in the 100 meter, 200 meter, 4 by 100, and what you just heard, the long jump. Mary Lou Retton was also a breakout star in Los Angeles. She became the first gymnast outside of Eastern Europe to win the gymnastics all-around competition. One interesting thing to point out that most don't remember is these games featured a variation of the dream team in basketball. We always think of the future dream team, but Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewan, and Chris Mullen were on the American team, which won gold in the men's basketball. They were also coached by the legendary Bobby Knight. 
when it came to the final medal tally, the U.S. obviously dominated. They brought in 174 total medals. Second place wasn't even close. It was Romania with 53, followed by West Germany with 59. But there were more to sports in 1984 than just the Olympics. Yvonne Lendl wins his first Grand Slam, defeating John McEnroe at the French Open. Martina Navratilova's 54-match winning streak comes to an end. Both McEnroe and Navratilova would win Wimbledon. The U.S. Open Golf was won by Fuzzy Zeller. And the Masters was won by Ben Crenshaw. In the Big Four North American sports, the Super Bowl that year was won by the L.A. Raiders. So a great year for Los Angeles. The World Series was won by the Detroit Tigers. And the NBA Finals was, of course, won by the Boston Celtics. And in the NHL, the great era of the Edmonton Oilers begins. Led by Wayne Gretzky, the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup in 1984 and finally defeated their arch rivals, the New York Islanders. So let's start wrapping it up here. And that's a quick look back on the year 1984. A very significant year when it came to sports and technology, but it also gave us some of the best TV shows and movies of all time. There was the usual political strife, but didn't seem to be as front and center as it was with other years. It seemed like there were a lot of distractions, especially when it came to entertainment. And Olympic years always seemed to keep the focus on sport, national pride, and entertainment. 1984 was a year that had been on the calendar for decades. It obviously didn't end up as foreseen by George Orwell, but stood out for many different reasons. It would be a defining year of the decade until 1985 would take it to a whole new level. So keep an eye out for that show. But in the meantime, thank you for joining me. Thank you for checking this show out and supporting small independent podcasts like this. The fact you were able to find this somehow with all the millions of other podcasts is pretty remarkable. And if you're interested and in a position to support these smaller shows, you can check out patreon.com. So that's a platform where for as little as a few bucks a month, you can support this show, but also get free audio rewards. Um, I also release the shows there early before they're released on all the different podcast apps. The one tier as the Everything 80s Movie Club, where I review all classic movies uh, from the 1980s. There are different tiers where you get shoutouts and bios on here. If you're interested in learning more, you can just go to patreon.com slash 80s. So p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash 80s. Or wherever you're listening to this on, there should be a link in the show notes, the show description. That'll take you right there. But that's it for me. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.